1: Welcome everyone to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island, make your second half of life even better than the first. As Scott Fisher and Ben Green approached their 70th birthdays, the two lifelong friends decided to dig deeply into the challenges of healthy aging. Faced with the prospect of retirement, declining bodies, and the insistent reminders of mortality, they harnessed their eight decades of work experience to arrive at some fresh conclusions about aging wisely. Scott, an organizational psychologist, and Ben, a psychoanalyst, decided to take a novel, more personalized approach grounded in their clinical training and deep experience in the field. They interviewed a diverse sample of 52 elders, and their life stories they heard were dazzling in their variety and depth. In today's episode, Scott and Ben tell their own story about how they blended personal and statistical research to create what has become the Aging Wisely Project. As they sifted through the results, the two uh, researchers realized... They had new information and conclusions about the later stages of life. They proposed a practical yet radical extension to Eric Erickson's iconic eight-stage model of human development, adding a ninth stage of potential growth they call elder identity provision. Ben and Scott will talk about some of the challenges awaiting us in elderhood, as well as the attitude and skills required to get the most out of one's elder years. So now let's meet our guests, Scott Fisher and Ben Green. Scott and Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ron. Nice to be here. It's a pleasure to have you guys. And uh, usually I start off with uh, having my guests uh, tell a little bit about their backstory. But today, for the benefit of our audience, we have have a couple backstories. Actually, how I met you guys and then how you uh, met each other or knew each other and developed the project. So I'm just going to very quickly... Um, and tell our audience uh, what a pleasure was uh, the accidental meeting of you folks at my 50th college reunion at Yale, where you guys gave a terrific presentation um, about aging wisely. And I said, I have to have these guys on my show. These guys understand what 45 Forward is about. So here you are several months later. uh, It's a pleasure to have you. Um, and uh, we're going to have a great show. Um, but, and so as we start, may, perhaps you could just give me sort of encapsulate a little bit about, I gave a little bit of background in you know, my intro, but how you uh, started to develop the, the Aging Wisely project, um, uh, how you decided to do it. And I, I know sometimes you guys are, are, are lifelong friends, but sometimes being friends and working on something together are different and so you know some of the perhaps your thoughts about doing it and why why you did it and and perhaps even some of your concerns as you started so um you know uh take it away i'll start with you ben and then uh, go on to you scott
2: well ron thank you so much for inviting us um you know we each have our own own story and that's one thing we tried to preserve in our study uh, even though we were looking for patterns we also wanted to preserve the, the rich individuality of each of the life stories we were hearing. Uh, you know, my own uh, life was uh, really uh, turned around when my father died when I was 11, and my mm-hmm. mother went into a severe depression and was later hospitalized. So probably no surprise that I went into psychiatry and then later psychoanalysis. Um, I, I had the very good fortune to run into Scott. And he was from California. So not only did he know how to throw a frisbee very well, which I appreciated, but he had that kind of a, a, a T group uh, a mentality. So he really encouraged me to talk about my feelings. And I think he may have been my first uh, uh, unofficial therapist that got me started. Uh, but uh, so I followed Scott out to Colorado. Uh, and that's where I did my residency in psychiatry and then later established my practice, and we both raised our families. We stayed in touch throughout, even though uh, our midlives were very busy, as many peoples are. And then as we uh, were approaching our 70th birthday uh, on our uh, uh, every two-week lunches at our favorite little uh, Indian buffet restaurant, uh, we began uh, talking about what we'd like to do next. And uh, I'd always found... um, a lot of inspiration from my studies of uh, psychology and psychiatry, and I was particularly impressed by the work of Eric Erickson, who I was introduced to uh, as a freshman a uh, college student. Uh, we had a terrific teacher, uh, William Kesson, who was really a, a brilliant researcher who also, uh, you know, deigned to teach a uh, freshman introduction to psychology. But uh, there were passages in Erickson that just inspired me the first time I read them, and frankly, virtually every time I've read them since. So we wanted to build on that, and it it had a kind of a commonsensical appeal that a lot of psychoanalytic jargon does not. So we thought that would be a great basis for trying to understand things, but uh, there was no substitute for – our personal knowledge of elders and Scott knew a lot of people from his consulting practice and being an executive coach i knew you know thousands of patients from my psychiatric practice but we wanted to have people we could actually talk about and because uh, of the confidentiality constraints of uh, uh, with patients and clients we needed to start fresh and, right. and uh, to have us uh, to bring fresh eyes and ears uh, yeah. to uh, hearing the stories of aging and mm-hmm. so that's what we decided to do. After extensive literature review, we began those interviews.
1: Yeah. Scott, why don't you tack on to that? I know that, um, you know, in the intro that I was reading to your book, you know, you guys very candidly say, gee, why well, I know the book about aging. And so uh, you had a very specific rationale. Uh, ben started to talk about it in terms of combining the two of them. But I found the approach very compelling and very fresh. Talk about it a bit.
3: Well, I think for for us and your audience, Ron, um, you know, it's important to to let you know that what we developed that became the the Aging Wisely Project really evolved over time. We did decide that, that how to age well was going to be the subject of our work together. But I would tell you that it wasn't until we began interviewing people and listening to the stories um, and and developing some insights that we realized was not out in the literature. And when we started about six years ago in this effort, uh, most of the things we were reading were 15, 25, a generation old. Mm. There's been a, a, a lot of... Uh, new work coming on, coming into the public domain in the last few, couple of years, but we didn't see it when we started. And, uh, and so I think we didn't, you know, the original goal was not to write a book. It was to work together, to have some fun, to, to inform ourselves and, and learn how to navigate this uh, last stage of life as well as we could. And and as we learned from our elders through these interviews, and as Ben said, you know it's it's uh, it's it's a balance between each elder having a unique life that's worth listening to, and in many ways was inspiring, both their successes and their failures, and and then to also realize that there are patterns, there are things we can learn that can help each of us move forward into our own elderhood right but you know um i i would just add that you know i guess when i think about it the way you asked the question ron made me realize that you know i grew up with a big extended family around me with aunts Mm -hmm. and uncles and especially my grandparents and i remember as a small kid Sitting on their laps and listening to them tell the story about how they escaped from the Ukraine during World War One, mm. struggled for years in Europe to get to to the United States, and so it was always amazing to me to listen to stories. And I guess in some ways I've spent my whole career listening to people and their stories. Yeah, well, it was as a as an executive coach or a human resources director um or as a consultant. Um it was always to try to understand the uniqueness right. of what people were going through. So
1: yeah, yeah. that's
3: that's what uh um you know has has spurred me on in mm-hmm. the effort. And I guess more recently, you know, my my wife uh had an amazing father who was a Holocaust survivor. And he just died 4 years ago uh, at the age of almost 99 and and helping him through his last years of life and and watching the joy that he got out of life even as he faced the losses that are inevitable for all right. of us right was another inspiring element of what of what uh, got me involved with
1: yeah, yeah,
3: and the you know, journey with Ben has been uh, something I treasure.
1: Mm-hmm. You
3: know, because we did it together.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I think that that for me there are several dimensions that really resonate with me. I mean, the, for, the last thing you mentioned, Scott, was you know that you guys have been friends for for a lifetime, and I've done a couple of shows about friendship, so that. It really, as I said, resonated to because I think one of the things about friendship is that how do you sustain it? How do you rejuvenate it? How does your friendship grow over time? You're just not reminiscing over like, oh, those, remember those days we did this and we did that. So the the, the fact that, you know, you, you continue, your friendship continues to grow is important to me, you know, and, and I do, you know, we. so I'm, the the aspect of storytelling I think is really uh, you know important and so in that sense you guys and I have had sort of a parallel career I'm as, as journalists that's what I I told people stories and I think that that's that um, that that is sort of a, you know the essence of of humanity is storytelling um, and to combine the two so I developed a sort of a style that I I guess when, when we were younger in our college days, you know, it was referred to as the new journalism, you know, which is not just subjective reporting, but that there was a had a point of view to it. And, you know, you weren't afraid to say I, you know, in the story, you know, instead of the, the author or the, you know, said so-and-so. And And I think so that your um, ability to really combine, you know, uh, you know, a rigorous, you know, uh, research approach to personal stories, I think is is terrific. And it really, it, it to me, it, it, it's not really subjective as much as you are being um, transparent to your audience about where you are and how you're telling the story and how you're finding this out. So I really appreciated that. And, and um, um, uh, I look forward to people reading your book because it's going to be terrific. It's very accessible. And, and as you said, your intent was to be um, plain spoken and, and accessible. So that's great. Um, so before, you know, before we get into, you know, the, you know, you're talking about Erickson, and perhaps you could just give us a sample of some of the stories of the elders that you talked to, because they're terrific examples. And they, they do give an example, a sense to people about uh, kind of the, the wonderful variety of life about how we can age. So let me shift back to you, Ben, and then you can pick up one or, and then, and then Scott, maybe you can pick up another one.
2: Well, one of our, uh, we try not to play favorites, just like a a parent, you know, not having a favorite kid, but, uh, there were some stories that really stood out for us. And there's someone that, uh, you know, I knew from another, uh, uh, setting, uh, who, uh, was a, a brilliant, uh, pediatrician and a medical administrator and, um, really made major contributions to the local community. Um, And in spite of his busy career, he found time to be uh, a volunteer pediatrician for summer camps and uh, uh, homeless individuals and their kids, um, who's had uh, prostate cancer for 25 years. And it it metastasized about a dozen years ago. And he was told to put his affairs in order Uh, and he did. But he kept finding, uh, along with his doctors, uh, new chemotherapy treatments. And his life has been prolonged and and he's still going strong at this point. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, you know, his wife uh, came down with dementia and uh, that's been a terrible uh, blow to both of them and they've had to struggle with that. So just one terrible adversity after another. And yet uh, the courage and integrity these two have demonstrated has absolutely been inspirational. And they've uh, sat down with their kids and had the very tough stories about how they want to live out their their final years. And, uh, you know, they're trying to figure just what they're willing to tolerate and, and how far uh, they're willing to go with aggressive medical treatments. And uh, I, I think they have inspired everyone around them. Uh, right. And they continue to be social and outgoing and uh, full of, uh, you know, a purpose and, and goodwill uh, mm-hmm. toward others. So yeah. uh, as Scott's saying, you know, the, that's one of the many stories uh, that right. uh, particularly inspired us. And we yeah. sort of thought, boy, I hope I grow up to be someone like that,
1: you know? <laughs> what about you, Scott? What um, We're going to come up to break pretty soon, but I wanted to sneak in your, uh, your, your story.
3: You know, the, there are so many people, it's difficult so many of our elders which is what we came to call them uh your audience ron should know that most of our interviews not all of them but most of them were done over zoom video calls because we were in the midst of the COVID pandemic wow wow and and to your point earlier i think it's it, it was just amazing when you sit down with somebody in a quiet setting Uh, and you ask them to tell you their life story and just listen and, you know, while they're telling us the story, we're asking questions of them to elaborate, to go into a little more detail, to fill in a a blank that, you know, they left in the story, and we're collecting data on 30 different variables that, that we feel or other researchers have felt are significant in the in the aging wisely process. And something else happened, you know, the, what what started as an interview became a conversation. And by the end of the conversation, uh, with many of these people, I would say with most of them, we had a relationship. And so at the end of the day, what we were talking about earlier about, uh, listening to people's stories and sharing them is about relationships Mm. and certainly one of the the things that got validated in in all of our work um, that led up to the to the book we wrote um, you know is about the power of relationships and how that really helps define us and, and and support us throughout our lives
1: Right. Yeah. So listen, I'm just going to on that note, I'm just going to, you know, just take a quick break and come right back to you guys, because I want to continue that notion about relationships. But um, uh, so, folks, uh, we are going to take a quick break. Uh, But when we come back, we'll be talking much more with Ben Green and Scott Fisher, uh, the co-founders of the Aging Wisely Project. So don't go anywhere.
4: voice america at facebook.com forward slash voice america for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts
0: today our 40s sit firmly in midlife we are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead but now is the best time to plan for our future life listen for 45 forward with host ron roel from retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents no topic is off the table We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel.
3: The boroughs are New York City. The burbs are everywhere else.
2: Real estate is the ultimate game of risk and reward. It's the biggest investment most people ever make. Fortunes are made over a lifetime and lost in a day. And we're not playing with monopoly money. How do you stay ahead? Who's buying? Who's selling? And why? What do they know? We want the truth.
4: You need an edge. Burrows and Burbs is your secret weapon to giving you the insider knowledge and
2: strategies you need to succeed in the high-stakes world of real estate. From Palm Beach to Palm Springs, Manhattan to Malibu. We press the experts to expose the pain, find the deals, and occasionally predict the future. That's Burroughs and Burbs, 3 o'clock Eastern, noon Pacific,
3: because everyone
2: can make money in real estate.
3: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward.
1: Welcome back folks. We're talking with Scott Fisher and Ben Green, the co-founders of the Aging YZ Project. About their findings for the project, how they did it, and some of the basic um, tenets of, that, of their results. So, before the break, we were talking with Scott about um, one of the important uh, aspects of, of aging wisely, which is the, the aspect of connection and relationships. And we, he started talking about that, and I wanted to, to continue the discussion with him, and then we can jump back to Ben about uh, some other stuff. So, go ahead, Scott.
3: Okay. Well, you know, thanks, Ron. I I think. Um, I, I want to just start out by inviting everyone in the audience to think about the power of relationships in their lives. Uh, you know, we, in many ways, in the in America, we have a an individualist-driven culture. You know, it's mm-hmm. the Marvel man. It's each of us making our own way in the world and being in- independent but I don't think anyone can say that their life hasn't been influenced by relationships. And, and it starts much earlier than most of us realize with the care and attention and love we get from early childhood caregivers to the relationships we make as kids, when we first go to school to the, to the successes and failures that we have as we, Grow up and go through adolescence, and find somebody to share our lives with, and the people we work with. And I, I think it would not serve any of us well to underestimate how important those connections are. That, and as we get into uh, elderhood, into these this last stage of life, um, it's important to realize that that we're gonna face some significant challenges Mm -hmm. facing those challenges it would serve us well to make sure that the connections we have are strong and that we look at where we need connections with people that we don't have uh because if this is hard to do alone
4: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: and and i think that's that's one of the big lessons from the interviews we did, and the analysis of the re- research that's out there, we don't claim that we're the only ones coming up with these insights. You know, mm-hmm. there are, uh, you know, doctors Valant and Waldinger, who over two generations at the uh, Harvard Longitudinal Study for, for Aging, you know, have researched and written uh, about thousands of people and their lives uh over over decades and uh they and others and and our interviews as well indicate that that uh that getting old and becoming isolated is a really big risk right right
1: absolutely and and i think that you know people talk about it but they don't understand the depth of the importance and i think that people you know we have this sort of static view of life is that you get to a certain age and then then you're there Now, now you're old you know whereas um part of i think your whole premise of aging wisely is to understand that you you keep growing and you have to persist through losses you will as you get older you're you will lose people and you need to replenish them and you need to uh uh, enhance the relationships you have, and, and find new ones. Um, and that—that's one thing that it always made me uh, kind of wonder. Bit when people talk about where do you want to retire, you know, and they say, "Oh, we'll, we'll go to uh, you know a low tax state," or "I want nice weather." And My first thought is like, "Who do you know there? <laughs> How are you going to maintain your relationships with the people you have now?" Uh, presumably, you'll make new ones, but thinking about that as a criterion for A healthy retirement is the relationships you have with people. So I I applaud you guys for lifting that up.
2: Um, Let me jump in there, uh, Ron. You know, uh, the current Surgeon General of the United States, Vivek Murthy, a remarkable guy. This is actually his second tour of duty, Uh, but he's written extensively about loneliness. In fact, he's declared loneliness to be a national epidemic at this point. Uh, That's pretty remarkable for a surgeon general that usually focus on things like smoking or cancer or high blood pressure or heart disease. He's declared this to be a national emergency, and he talks about both his own life and how lonely he got without realizing it during his first tour of duty as surgeon general. He got so busy, he kind of withdrew from family and friends, and uh, after he left uh, the post for the first time, he really... uh, had a very tough time, a lot of depression, in spite of getting a lot of support. But he talked about one of his patients who actually won a a lottery, uh, a huge amount of money. Mm -hmm. So the fellow immediately uh, quit his job and moved into a nicer neighborhood and thereby cut himself off from all his friends at work, all his friends in the neighborhood. He developed a high blood pressure and diabetes. And he later said winning, winning that lottery was the worst thing that ever happened to him. So a great uh, way to highlight exactly what you're saying, you know, people's idea of a good life. Waldinger has a wonderful uh, TED talk, and it's mostly young people in the audience. But he basically says, I'm going to ask you what you think uh, the most important things in life are. When he went through things like having uh, a good career, uh, making a lot of money, being famous, accomplishing a lot, a lot of hands went up. He says, actually, if you look at this Harvard study, Uh, of adult development. Uh, it's the most extensive and uh, thorough, uh, longitudinal study ever launched Mm -hmm. over and over again, as Scott has said, it is the quality of relationships, uh, that make all the difference in terms of long-term happiness. Mm -hmm. And that has a lot to do with intimate relationships with family and friends, but also, uh, uh, other relationships, Susan Pinker has written uh, The Village Effect, where she talks about the importance of feeling part of a community and right. how uplifting that can
1: be.
3: She has a wonderful TED Talk as well. Yeah, great. I, I can just bring it back to a couple of the elders that we interviewed in the a sure. Project. I mean, we interviewed one gentleman who, for very good reasons, had decided to move across country uh, to be with children and near grandchildren. Uh, he and his wife, but they t- severely underestimated what they were walking away from in hmm. terms of their church community and their network of friends and family. Uh, and and when we interviewed him, that was a major loss that he was struggling with. Uh, we interviewed another woman who... Um, Loved living in a a small rural um, hamlet in New England, but who decided that the winters were tough, and she was moving down to be with a few friends in Florida. And when we contacted her again, uh, just a few months ago, actually, we saw her in June, uh, she had moved back to New England because she just couldn't... um, Keep going without the support of of that community, right? She loves so much. Yeah. So uh, you know, we all have to make those individual choices, and we make them the best way we can. But um, uh, I think it would serve all of us well to to really take some time and reflect about what we're gaining and what we're losing when these right. issues pop up.
1: Yeah uh we're going to shift it back to to some of the other principles and ter- besides um, relationships but before we do that perhaps ben you could talk a little bit more broadly about about just the notion of how you guys uh, frame the um, you know the ninth stage of elderhood
2: well as much as we respect uh erikson's formulations and, and they are brilliant and uh we loved his intuitive ap- approach cuz So much of psychiatric and psychoanalytic literature looks at the world through a keyhole in a very narrow, kind of rigorous way, as you say, trying to focus on objective uh, realities. But we live our lives subjectively, and we wanted to uh, uh, capture the broad sweep uh, of Erickson's work. But we realized that his formulations were based on the world in 1950 or so. Right, And uh, the world has changed a lot since then. People are living longer, longer. Uh, lifespan, but also health span. They're healthier longer. Um, In the old days, people used to retire and uh, uh, die a few years later. And uh, the few years they had left, they often stayed right where they were, uh, maybe a rocker on the front porch. Uh, But now elders are very active. They have more money, uh, more discretionary income and choices and options. And that comes down to uh, a lot of choices. And there's a thing called the paradox of choice. We all think we want more choices, but if you actually look at the research, many times the more choices you give people, the more distressed they are, and the more they second guess themselves about whether they made the right choice or not. So uh, we thought that there is a a case to be made for the fact that this ninth stage of uh, development, which we call Elder Identity Revision, or EIR, uh, focuses on how the um we're we're all challenged to clarify who the heck we are, mm-hmm. you know, uh Scott and I kind of joke that people talk about elderhood as a second childhood. We think of it more as a second adolescence because in the same way adolescents have to face a lot of changes in their own bodies and their educational uh, careers and choices to make and whether to go to college or go into work what kind of uh, intimate relationships they want uh, what their sexual orientation is now there's even the issue about what gender they are many many choices and you have to know who you are and who you want to be going forward yeah. and i think we think elders are in that same situation yeah so um And we think that there are five components to this. We call the five C's. One of our elders, a wise woman, uh, she said to us, you know, my friends and I have come to realize that we have to continually pivot to maintain our equilibrium and our sense of well-being. And boy, that struck us as a profound truth. So the first one of the uh, first C's is continuity. Can you continue to be the same person you've always been? Or do you have to make substantial changes in your fundamental sense about who you are, how you relate to people, uh, how you conduct yourself in the world, what your priorities are? Uh, We had one woman we interviewed age 95, and she told us with a mischievous uh, glint in her eye that she was planning to win the best smile contest in her facility. Well, we don't think anyone else in the facility knew that this was a contest, but in her mind, it was. Mm -hmm. And she told us this was something she had uh, earned uh, a designation for in her high school yearbook. So she was trying to hold on to that sense of who she was. Another guy uh, used to pride himself on being the fastest hiker in his little hiking group. He'd always be the first to summit the mountains. But after he had some heart problems, he could no longer do that. But... Uh, in the meantime, as a hobby, he developed, um, uh, creating ukuleles and he had kind of a unique design and suddenly he was besieged by people that wanted to buy his new instrument. Mm. So he, that was a great example of someone kind of shifting his identity to someone new and different. The other, uh, four C's are things like control. It's so easy at our age to feel out of control, especially if you begin to lose your hearing and you can't hear people in a noisy restaurant or vision, I'm having more and more trouble, Macular degeneration, and I've had to give, in, give up uh, night driving uh, uh, competence. Uh, people struggle with their computers and their smartphones. So either loss of control or loss of competence can really uh, um, assault us. Uh, as Scott has talked about, the, the, another C is connection. A- as we lose family members, close friends, especially if we move away to a new community a new state, we have to establish a whole new circle around us of social connections. That's a heck of a stress. And the final C is consciousness, Uh, self-consciousness, being more aware of yourself, Uh, existential consciousness, how you deal with the issue of mortality, a, a fundamental issue for all of us. And one of the happy surprises we had in doing this research was we expected to hear a lot of people expressing a fear of death we did not hear that. Uh, all our elders, even those in their 90s, were just focusing on the day, uh, on the here and now, which frankly is a very healthy adaptation. Uh, that's something that Laura Carstensen at Stanford, the, uh, she founded the Stanford Center for Longevity. She realized there's a whole uh, new realm of coping strategies that elders use that go a long way towards supporting their happiness. And the, and the final aspect of the consciousness is spiritual consciousness. Many of our elders began to feel a greater uh, connection to their religions. Uh, I know a retired physician who's becoming more and more a devout and studious Orthodox Jew. Uh, One of our uh, interviewees uh, became stronger uh, in her uh, Orthodox uh, Russian uh, faith and talked a lot about the saints that she now prays to. Others are, are more spiritual. They think about uh, the universe, about the distant past uh, and, and the future. Uh, so uh, that greater spiritual uh, connection uh, gives their, their life great meaning and purpose. So we do think that this elder identity revision with these five C's is a really fundamental aspect of clarifying your identity in a way that helps you uh, be a little more clear about the path you want to take for
1: yourself. Yeah. um that that's a, a lot. A lot of stuff that's really important, and I think that um, you know one of the things that you've met, you guys have mentioned me too, is one of the aspects of is is sense, sense of purpose in terms of you know perpetuating you know your your identity as you go forward, and it changes. Um, uh, I'm going to uh, ask Scott to elaborate a lot on that when we come back. Uh, I just wanted to note a couple of things. One of the uh, um, one of the dimensions that, that you've mentioned, uh, Ben, is just this issue of connect, uh, continuity and control because I think that's that's one of the reasons I I named the show 45 forward, which is it's sort of a you know a, a, a general approach to like okay you, you're taking a pause at midlife to think about you know what's going to be the, uh, the the second half of life. but even within that there are many changes you know it's again, it's not a plateau. Um, one of the things that I, a, a friend of mine mentioned to me, um, the the, uh, the note, the number forty five, was that if you want to um, if you want to throw a ball at the farthest you can, uh, the best angle is a forty five degree angle. So uh, that's that's the, the reason behind the pause at that age, because going forward, this will give you you know the most time to think about the various options, because you're going to have to change. You know, you're not going to be the same at fifty five. 65, 75, 85. Um, So, you know, you're going to have to be, you know, constantly thinking about this sort of change. And um, just like in adolescence uh, and and early adulthood, there's no roadmap. (laughs) You're done with the structure of, you know, family, college, getting first jobs. Now you've got to really determine your own path. So um, when we come back, I'm going to lead off with you, Scott, talking about a sense of purpose. But uh, so, folks, we have a lot more to talk about in our last segment, so don't go anywhere.
4: Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today.
0: self-improvement career advice and a variety of other topics check us out today you're sure to find something of interest voice america variety talk on today's hot topics
4: it's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health wealth and happiness are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts then tune in to the forbes factor with celebrity tv host keynote speaker and inspirational icon forbes riley
0: Now back to 45 Forward.
1: Welcome back, folks. We're talking with Scott Fisher and Ben Green of the Aging Wisely Project. Before the break, um, Ben was talking about uh, some of their aspects to to defining the ninth stage of elderhood. Um, And I I wanted Scott to pick up on that. Um, one of the elements that we were going to talk about is a sense of purpose, but I wanted to ask him to talk about it in the context of what are some of the tasks that people need to attend to as part of this stage.
3: Well, for, for everyone that was here through our last segment, you know, I think Ben threw a lot of information out there for us, but to sum it up very briefly, elder identity revision is a framework for, for looking at the challenges the tasks we have in front of us to accomplish in this last stage of life. right? And the five Cs are specifically those the kinds of challenges that we're gonna have to figure out how to cope with. And so in the course of our interviews, we were also asking people, "How? how do you cope with the loss, the mm-hmm. loss of control? you can't see as well, you can't hear as well, maybe you can't drive anymore, you can't walk as fast, you can't lift things that you used to be able to lift. You can't figure out how to work the remote control on your TV, you can't access the computer the way you know you used to be able to. And so what we identified was a handful of tools, really skills and attitudes that we can all work to strengthen and develop. And we, tr- we tried to be good psychologists and come out with an acronym that might help people. Remember, and we came up with one called GRASP,
1: hmm.
3: ASP. And those, those five letters stand for what we consider to be five critical and essential tools for aging wisely. So, The G is about gratitude, you know, to the extent that we all have good days and bad days, are we the optimist or are we the pessimist? Do we tend to see the glass as half full or as half empty? And what we found was that those of our elders who um, focused more on what they were grateful for, the things they had around them and in their lives, as opposed to what they were losing, were we're much better able to deal with the losses and challenges of aging. The R is for resilience. You know, we're gonna get knocked down. Mm -hmm. We're going to suffer those losses. We're going to have to adapt. And you know, You have to keep getting back up on the proverbial horse until you just can't anymore. Um, The A in our GRASP acronym is for active practices. And this is where the notion of connections and relationships lives. And this is where we also encourage people to look at doing those things that work for them to do the best they can to maintain their physical and cognitive skills and, and strengths you know right if you haven't been going to the gym figure out an exercise routine right <laughs> well if you like playing bridge do it if you like crossword puzzles do it um and and stay connected and look at that relationship network that you have as an asset that you can manage. And And as you suffer losses because people move away, friends die, partners get sick and need more care, partners die, we need to be able to find the support we need from other people and other places. and we need to um, we need to be able to ask for help. you know it's part of our American culture perhaps uh that if we're really self-sufficient we never have to ask for help Mm -hmm. and i and i think that's that's doing a disservice uh to all of us um back to the grasp acronym s is for self-acceptance you know if we get to a point in our lives where it's worth some self-reflection we've all taken the unique road that we've taken in life, we've had successes, we've had some failures, we've made some mistakes, we have some regrets, it's, there comes a time in life, and we suggest that elderhood is that time to let go of the regrets, for forgive those that have hurt us, because those things will sap our strength and energy. And, and detract from our ability to age wisely. And finally, Ron, I, 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 we would throw out the final letter of our acronym GRASP. He is in purpose. You know, those elders we talk to who maintained a, self, a sense of purpose, a reason to get up and move forward during the day, were aging so much more wisely than those who just floated aimlessly through their days and their and their weeks. And, you know, the purpose can be whatever is meaningful to you. We don't have mm-hmm. any notion, you know, for Ben and, and for me, uh, the Aging Wiseling Project has given us a lot of purpose. And for me personally, it's, it's put me in touch with... Uh, volunteering for a wonderful nonprofit organization that I only vaguely knew existed before we started this project and now I find myself trying to make a contribution on its as a member of its board but everyone's sense of purpose needs to be whatever is meaningful to them it can mm-hmm. be archiving the family photos it can be perfecting your gardening mm-hmm. it can be you know Training your dog not to bite the neighbor, it, whatever you need it to be. Right. But, but if you if you lose that sense of purpose, and there's certainly much in the literature, uh, starting with Viktor Frankl and his little book "Man's Search for Meaning" that came out of his experience in the Holocaust, um, all of these factors that we talk about in our GRASP acronym are. Uh, I guess the best way to say it statistically is they're both independent variables and dependent. They, right. they all stand alone and they all affect each other. Right. And so uh, we would encourage all of um, your listeners to, to do a little self-reflection. Think about where on that GRASP acronym they feel like they're strong versus where they might have some deficits, or where they mm-hmm. haven't paid much attention, right. because um, that's worth an investment right. as we move forward.
1: Yeah. So um, we're we're unfortunately, I've, you know, we're coming to a close. But before we do, I just wanted to just touch briefly on just the notion of aging wisely, uh, because I think that's you know, in my work, I, I talk about. You know, successful aging, and I think that they're they're similar. But I I love the fact that you guys chose wisely because I think that people sort of gloss over like you know the wisdom of the elders, but there really is wisdom in all the things that you're talking about. So uh, perhaps Ben, just pick up a little bit uh, about that that choice to say aging wisely. How did you guys decide that?
2: Let me start by reading a quote uh, in the reunion where we had the good fortune to run into Ron. Uh, a number of our classmates uh, wrote um, about their lives and and their uh, attitudes toward the future. Here's what one of our classmates wrote. I plan to use the time left, not complaining, not regretting, not fearing. In other words, doing my best not to turn into a kvetching, reactionary grump. Yeah, I can't ride my motorcycle anymore, can't ski the rocks and shoots with the college kids, and I have cancer. I also have perspective, judgment, appreciation, experiential knowledge, all the gifts of age. Like everybody, I've made some dumb decisions and wasted more time than I should have. Yeah, yet I would not relive one moment of my life. I am the happiest I've ever been, and indeed, Uh, plan to stay that way. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Um, It was a great surprise. There was an economist, uh, Blanche Flower, uh, several decades ago, did a worldwide survey of happiness uh, by age and found out, uh, and this was quite a a surprise, that in the absence of major mental uh, or physical illness, People in their 60s are happier than the people in their 50s. And people in their 70s are happier uh, yet. So how is this possible? Uh, Laura Carstensen's work at Stanford really speaks to this. There are coping skills that uh, elders develop. And this is a fundamental aspect of wisdom. Uh, When these elders were given a choice to uh, have lunch with a potentially famous uh, up and coming author, or with their old friends, they would choose their old friends because they know it's relationships Mm -hmm. uh, that are comforting uh, and provide that fundamental sense of connection to others that they need. So it is this ability to be reflective about yourself and your life and to make good decisions for yourself that make all the difference. So it's paradoxical that people with diminishing physical and even cognitive skills somehow find ways to be happier than those people in the middle part of their lives uh, who are at the top of their game in so many ways. So we, uh, we had an intuitive sense that there was something about the elders that we knew. Scott's uh, father-in-law who'd been through the Holocaust, my grandfather who was a spellbinding raconteur uh, in his uh, 80s. We, we knew that these people uh, knew something and uh, we're living their lives in a way that we hope to emulate. And so uh, wisdom seemed like the best sort of uh, label for what we were seeking to understand.
1: Great, great. Um, before we go, I, I want to just make sure that we save a little bit of time here at the end to let people know uh, how to learn more about the Aging Wisely Project, uh, you know, and get in touch with you guys. So uh, I assume you have a website, right,
3: Scott? We do indeed. We do indeed. It's uh, www dot the aging wisely project dot com okay and we would uh invite all of your listeners to uh check out our website we're in the process of building it it's got good information it's got a wonderful reading list if you want to start on your own aging wisely journey Mm. Uh, and we would love with your help ron to start building a community of like-minded people elders and non-elders to uh to continue this conversation and explore uh either through a blog or and through additional um sessions on 45 forward this topic um our book the aging wisely project will be available next spring in the spring of 2024 and uh, we'd love you to sign up on our website so that we can keep you posted on when that will be available. Great, great. And, and that
2: email list we'll also use to send out, we have a, we're going to have a monthly email blast uh, kind of summarizing the new research we've come across and uh, some of the new
1: things we want to add to our, our model. Great, great. So listen, folks, um, we will have uh, Ben and Scott on again in the near future will be following their project and following their progress uh so you can tell your friends if they missed my conversation with ben and scott today uh, they can listen to it on voiceamerica.com search for the 45 forward uh show and be sure to join me uh, next monday uh 12 noon pacific uh 3 p.m eastern time when i'll be talking with sharice johnson a veteran psychotherapist and mindfulness practitioner she is the author of expired mindsets um So I I just want to, again, thank Ben and Scott so much um, for this show. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, Terrific conversation. And we will have them back uh, again soon. So until then, folks, keep moving forward. 45 forward.